the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, isn't this special? In the third hour of the show, we get Beijing telling us that we should, uh, we should tone down our rhetoric. <laughs> yeah, not me personally, but uh, Beijing wants the American government to kind of tone it down. Avoid provoking. I think you're closing the barn door after the horse is out there, Beijing. Yesterday, the president's fire and fury statement has some people concerned. Now, the White House is saying the, uh, the tone of the president was premeditated. The words were his own. So the president of the United States made the decision to go out and say fire and fury. But he... Uh, he had preset or predetermined the tone. And we're watching this because there is supposed to be a State Department briefing on the North Korean situation, the threat from North Korea, coming up any minute now. So, uh, Dallas, if you, can have, if you can have that dialed in somewhere, we might need to grab that just in case. Just in case. And that's a little, little look inside the detailed operation here at the Blaze Radio Network. If you want to join the conversation this hour, 888 I'm I'm kind of wondering what we should do. What do you think we should do as a nation? Is it our obligation to eliminate the nuclear threat from North Korea? Is it our business what happens in that region? Well, certainly with the 11th largest economy in the world sitting right there in South Korea, it certainly seems like that's kind of an important thing to do. China, somebody who we owe a lot of money to, but also somebody who is complicit in dealing with the North Koreans, uh, they're not interested in war. Russia doesn't want war either. They've got Russia has a border with North Korea that would be flooded with refugees were there a war. Russia doesn't want that. So I know Russia doesn't want it. China doesn't want it. South Korea certainly doesn't want it. Japan does not want a war with North Korea. And Guam, who can you imagine you're a Guamanian? And yes, that's their name. Guamanians. That's what you call the people who live in Guam. You're a Guamanian and you wake up today and you're like, ah, I'll just go outside and get myself the paper and maybe get a cup of coffee today. What? We are in the target zone here. We are now the, the, uh, the group that has been selected to receive this gift from North Korea. So the Guamanians, an American territory, just like Puerto Rico, they don't... Uh, they don't pay federal income taxes, and they can't vote in presidential elections, but they have American passports. And we have long-range bombers based there. So we, we need to figure out what, what we should do. What would you do? You're the president of the United States. You want to call up and weigh in on this? 888 I think, I think it's a big deal. We'll get to your opinions if you want to share.
I want to talk about something that happened last week. Do you remember Donald Trump having the rally in West Virginia? He was in Huntington, West Virginia, and he had a group of people behind him, as they always do. There's folks back there holding up their signs, and they have their Make America Great hats or their VFW hats, whatever they've got on. They're all, it's almost like they've been cast to be there. You know, we always, I'm always suspicious of who is behind the president at some of those events. And uh, a friend of mine sent me a, a notice on Facebook about that rally. Sent me a notice saying, hey, that guy behind the president, he's a real dirtbag. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? What do, you, what do you mean by that? He goes, no, the guy, there was a guy that apparently everybody saw this guy, and he was very excited and very enthusiastic. And, um, and because of this guy's enthusiasm, people were like, well, we got to find out who that guy is. And his name is Richard Paulus, and he's from Kentucky. He was at the West Virginia rally, and there were people posting about Richard Paulus all over the Internet. And I said, well, what, what makes you think this guy is, as you say, a real dirtbag? And my, my friend said, well, um, he is, um, he's a surgeon convicted of fraud for performing unnecessary surgeries, falsifying records, billing Medicare and Medicaid for millions. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That's what, and he posted that on Facebook. And I said, hold, hold on a second. And I tracked down the source of the story because as, as we know, most people won't read behind the headline and the two lines of text in any Facebook posting. Well, this guy, this Dr. Richard Paulus, Right behind Donald Trump in his black T-shirt, red baseball cap said, Made America, make America great again. High-fiving everybody all around him. Yelling to Trump, we love you. So they, people figured out who he was and started running videos of him. He was also pointed out on television shows. Now, the story, the coverage in the paper... In the Charleston paper, the Gazette Mail, says that, that this, this gentleman, Mr. Paulus, Dr. Paulus, was con indicted on 11 counts of fraud in September of 2015. 11 counts of fraud. And this guy happened to be right behind the president in the crowd. I guess I, I wonder what we'd find if we checked every crowd behind every presidential candidate. But they're saying that this guy overbilled and performed things that didn't need to be performed, unnecessary heart procedures, catheterization, stents, etc., which ran up bills and charged Medicare and Medicaid. Now, I will never endorse, never endorse anybody fleecing the government. This was 2015 when these 11 indictment counts were levied against this guy. Before that... Well ahead of that, he retired from the hospital where he had been working in 2013. His medical license had been inactive since 2014. And um, he had agreed to retire, basically. It sounds like it might have been a 
some sort of plea agreement. Now, last October, this guy was convicted of needlessly performing procedures and overcharging insurers. And he said, I, I don't feel this is right. He and his attorney argued with federal prosecutors saying that you didn't provide enough evidence in your case. In March of this year, this guy was acquitted of all charges. And a hearing that had been scheduled for April was canceled. He's also agreed to settle some of the claims of the government. So he's, he's making restitution. And hospital officials said there was no wrongdoing. No wrongdoing. I, I'm sorry. I made a mistake here. The hospital has agreed to settle the claims of the government, not the doctor. So this doctor who's being railed against on the Internet, this doctor who is, who's being uh, dragged through the mud on the Internet and been told that he is, he's the problem. I'll read you the one from my friend's Facebook page. The guy behind Trump last night, the West Virginia rally, convicted of fraud for performing unnecessary surgeries. Well, if you read that and don't follow up with the appeal and the guy's exoneration, you would think that this was a convicted felon. Not so. Exonerated. Not guilty. I just want us all to know that we need to go a little bit more below the surface. We need to dig just a little bit deeper. This guy's this guy's face and name and that charge are now being forwarded, shared by people all over the Internet. But unless you read more of the story, I, I think you're only spreading lies. Make sure that you have the entire story before you go dragging somebody through the mud. I don't know this guy from Adam. I'm just saying that that if you're going to if you're going to go after somebody, be accurate. Be fair, because we, we owe that to that person, and we expect it for ourselves. If you want people to treat you fairly, you better be open and honest and treat them fairly, too. I know, it sounds like a little, a little preachy, but guess what? I don't want to be someone that is dragged through the mud like this guy was, too. Just absolutely needs, needs to be uh, rectified. I'm going to step aside because we might try and pick up the State Department briefing. It looks like they're queuing up for it and they might be uh, might be getting ready. So we'll come back. If not, uh, I have uh, I have the uh, check in on the the nuclear alarm clock. How close are we to midnight? Well, I'll tell you that or we'll listen to the State Department next. I'm Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We're trying to keep an eye out because the State Department is supposed to give us a briefing and maybe tell us what the heck is going on, the latest in the, um, the North Korea situation. 
There is a group that's called the um, Atomic Scientists, and they put out the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. They've been doing this for, I think, 70 years. 70 years they've been posting the Doomsday Clock. And the Doomsday Clock is a, a creation of this group who monitors nuclear armaments and the activity around nuclear warheads all around the world and the tensions that may or may not be connected to it. And on a regular basis, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists will put out a statement. Initially, it was a, like a six-page black-and-white newsletter. Now it's a, a full-on magazine. But as, as they hit their 70th year of warning us of how close we are to midnight, and midnight is doomsday, basically, Midnight is is where we are when it's all about to go down. So as of as of January of this year, they told us that the um the clock, the doomsday clock was sitting at two and a half minutes to midnight. And I wonder I wonder if if any of the 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 efforts of the last 24 hours on both sides, North Korea and America's side, have moved us any closer. Now, to, to be clear, this, this group, the atomic scientists, are also uh, probably more progressive than I would appreciate. In their statement that came out the early part of this year, they talk about the fact that uh, there's clear need for climate action. So there are people who are, who are um, climate change folks there. And they are, they are, although they are climate change people and they want us away from carbon energy, they're also the nuclear people who want to make sure that we don't have a, a nuclear accident that takes the world down and destroys us all. Now, it's... Um, it's kind of contradictory because they're the people with the doomsday clock who tell us that after we've, we've been at three minutes to midnight for the last few years, we are now at the closest we have been since the early 80s. And so I guess this is why everybody's a little bit concerned. They say, according to the, the Science and Security Board of this nuclear science group, they say, quote, the probability of global catastrophe is very high and the actions needed to reduce the risks of disaster must be taken soon. We find the danger in 2017 to be even greater, the need for action more urgent. It is two and a half minutes to midnight. The clock is ticking. Global danger looms, guiding humanity away. We must act immediately and guide humanity away from the brink. If we do not, if public officials do not, wise citizens must step forward and lead the way. So that's the statement. I'll tweet out a link to the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists because this was January as, as President Trump was about to be inaugurated and Kim Jong-un was about to start his latest barrage of tests leading up to where we are today. But in January, we were two and a half minutes to midnight.
Yeah, it's a little disturbing. I know. I know. I also did post a vital question just now. So if you'd like to participate, I would like to know, what do we do? Seriously, what do we do? Is there something we should do? What do you think? I, I, I would love to see America preemptively handle this, but then is there the risk that of the thousands of pieces of artillery that North Korea has embedded along the demilitarized zone, will those instantly be launched? Currently, in very early voting, 38% of you say preemptively strike. 27% of you say, let China handle it. 8% are saying, do nothing. And 27% of you are flummoxed as well. 27% of you fall into the same category that I found myself in. I'm not really sure. But I take you back to October 22nd of 1962. When John Kennedy said, let no one doubt that this is a difficult and dangerous effort on which we have set out. No one can foresee precisely what course it will take or what costs or casualties will be incurred. Many months in which both our patience and our will will be tested. Months in which many threats and denunciations will keep us aware of our dangers. But the greatest danger to all would be to do nothing. I point forward to another issue that I think North Korea is using in its favor here. What's happening in the early part of 2018? Anybody? What's happening in 2018? In Seoul, South Korea? It, isn't that where the Winter Olympics will be held? Aren't we just around the corner from an Olympic Games? Do you think all of this is time to make sure that everybody in South Korea knows, hey, we got an Olympics coming here. We can't have this Bobo doing all. We can't have him holding us hostage during the Olympics. I think everybody's got that in the back of their mind. None of this is random. There are no coincidences. It's all got to be solved. Seriously. I know. I know, I know, I know. It's all, it's all nuclear bombs all the time today. No, this is just a serious issue. And look, in 1962, we, got, we dealt with it. In the 80s, 80s, when there was a little bit of brinksmanship between the United States and the remnants of the Soviet Union, we we're okay too. We dealt with, we dealt with the, uh, what was it, Pakistan? Had some threats at one point too. Not against us, against its neighbors. If we solved it before, we can solve it again. Come on back. We've got crazy news with our friend Angie Austin just around the corner. And uh, Jed Clampett's house is for sale. If you got the money. Maybe you got to win the uh, Powerball. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. America Now with Buck Sexton. On the left, Democrats, liberals, tearing down America is like their national pastime. 
They love that. Every night, Buck is in the Freedom Hut. Welcome to the Freedom Hut. Breaking down the important issues. Class anxiety, though, is the defining characteristic of the American experience. America Now with Buck Sexton. Some Democrats I know are very patriotic. Look, it's a radio show. I'm having a little fun, everybody. Let's not get too crazy. 7 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are hanging out trying to see if we can listen in on the State Department briefing. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, before we get to that, let me uh, let me remind you about Relief Factor. I am the evangelist for Relief Factor because it's worked for me. Relief Factor is a um, such a gift. And I got the three-week quick start pack back in early April. I started taking it three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It comes prepackaged with the fish oil and the, the botanicals all there in the little capsules. And it's not chemicals. It's natural. It's wild harvested fish. It's a 100% botanical mixture that, that removes the, the inflammation around my joints so that diminishes the pain. I no longer take anything for pain other than relief factor. Get the three-week quick start pack. It's $19.95. For gosh sakes, it's, a, it's 95 cents a day. And 80% of the people who try it, it must be working for them because they're reordering it. Seven to 10 days is how, it, how long it takes to typically get into your system and start helping. For me, it was day eight. Pick up the phone and call them, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or do what I did. Go to relieffactor.com and check it out for yourself, Relief Factor. Is our friend Angie on the phone? Is that what you were saying in Dallas, Ellie? Oh, this is good news. See, there are strange stories out there, and I haven't even discussed the list with Angie, but I, before I, I say hello to her and before I turn it over, to Angie, um, there's there's a house for sale that if I thought I could deal with California and I won the massive Powerball lottery coming up, I think I would like to live in this house. It's, it's 25,000 square feet. It has a tennis court. It has a, a covered parking garage that will hold 40 cars. It... <laughs> It's 10.3 acres in Bel Air, and it was the home, the backdrop for the Beverly Hillbillies television show back in 1962. And of course, there is a cement pond. It's only $350 million if you want to buy it. Come on, Beverly Hillbillies. Now, just so you know, 25,000 square feet, that's, that's huge for a mansion. But it's also not even half the size of the White House, 55,000 square feet. So think about that for a minute. Let's welcome our friend Angie Austin from uh, Daybreak USA, I believe, correct? Angie Austin, hello yeah. and welcome. Yeah. Thank you. I got it right, huh? My show or my name? Both. Yes, you did both in, with your newsheimers. That's impressive. Well, you know, with the uh, 
with the, like, like the SATs, you get credit for your name. I get two points on this one. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that's a, quite a home. Uh, Beverly Hillbillies. I can't believe it's gotten that expensive, but uh, that kind of acreage in Bel Air is like unheard of. Well, plus 25,000 square feet, that's kind of gigantic. And they have an aerial shot. So I start counting chimneys because then I think about how many fireplaces there are. There's about mm-hmm. a dozen fireplaces in this thing just based on the chimneys. It's got to be. It's massive. Yeah, at least that, I'd say, because a lot of them do those double-sided deals where they both hook into the same chimney. It's, it's amazing. Well, it used to be owned by the guy who founded Univision, the Spanish-language uh, television network. And he just passed away this year at the age of 86. But they are asking $350 million. If you won the Powerball coming up uh, Thursday, is it? Or is it today? I think it's today. If you win the Powerball, you just hand the check over. Just give the ticket to the family and take the keys to the house. Yeah, but do you know what kind of hassle comes along with a $350 million house? Then you have to have, like, you know, the guy that, like, opens the door and waters the plants in the front area. The guy that waters the plants in the side area. You know, and then you have some weirdo that lives in the basement that was the caretaker ever since, you know, the old man was born, you know, that comes along with the estate. You know, well, you, wait, you don't have that at your house? You know, I actually do have someone that stays with us that helps us. We've had her for 10 years, but she's like the grandma to my kids. So, yeah, but she doesn't. Uh, sometimes she's just here to, um, you know, make maybe a, we're just making a, a nice lunch right now. I thought you were going to tell me it's your husband. He's the weirdo that lives in the basement, waters the plants and all that stuff. <laughs> no, it would be my mother. Yeah, the mother-in-law Yeah, lives in the basement. But well, you're getting yeah. along now, right? You and your mother-in-law? Oh, my mother-in-law and I now? Yeah, it took like 13 years, although last time I saw her and I left. Because we, 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 we used to do the thing where I'd say, I, I love you. And she'd be like, well, that is good. And then uh, I would go, okay, goodbye, love you. Fine then. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to wear her down. So over 13 years, like about a year ago, I said, all right, love you. Love you. I'm like, what? Who are you? Like, where is my mother-in-law? So we just left Chicago, right? And as I hugged her, patted her back, I said, love you. She goes, okay, then. I'm like, oh, we had a pervert after all this time. Really, lady? So three steps up and four steps back. We're back behind the line. Yep, you kill them with kindness, my friend. I'm just going to keep on trucking. I love that. I love that about you. Now, Ange, I, I rely on you, especially on days like today. I've spent a lot of time today talking about the doomsday clock, how close to midnight we are, all this stuff. Uh, I need a couple of wacky stories. And you said something about a woman who tweeted a thread about a man who scheduled six dates in a row. What? Okay, so um, just to just go back to Kim Jong-un for one second. If you have a crazy little Asian man in platform shoes with a bowl haircut, what you do is you have an Amazon drone come with the delivery. He thinks it's a, nut, a brand new pair of shiny platform shoes and cacao, surprise. Like, I don't know why, you know, is that wrong of me? Is that like too soon to talk about assassinations of Kim Jong-un? Is that wrong? Am I, I'm going to get in trouble, aren't I? Well, I'm just going to say Angie Austin, Daybreak USA, everybody. That's... 
Are all Kim Jong Un's friends going to call me or relatives? Oh wait, he killed all his relatives with wild packs of dogs. Remember that? How the aunt and the uncle like went had met some untimely demise, or his brother who just What's, wanted to like travel to like the beach to have some fun with like a girlfriend, and all of a sudden he's touched with something that immediately kills him. I don't think he has a lot of supporters left outside of his country. Well, have you seen the pictures of the guys who have all the all the badges, all the medals? Like in his country? His generals. If you look at the pictures of his generals, they all have these giant, giant coats. They wear their military coats and they're all covered with rows and rows and medals. And somebody asked me, what? they haven't been actually in combat in North Korea for like 60 years. So what are the medals for? And uh, the only thing I could think of was like Pokemon Go. That's got to be what it is. Pokemon Go, or like each month they survive within his hierarchy, they get a medal because it's so like amazing to each other. Like, whoa, Bob, you're still here. Oh, my gosh, Ted, you made it. You know, there are no Bobs and Ted's in the North Korean military. Let's just I am I am protecting their identities and I'm using faux names in order to not put them in harm's way. I mean, faux names would be faux names. P.H.O. That would be a Vietnamese name. I'm just saying. Now, tell me the story of the woman who tweets about the man who scheduled six dates in a row. Okay, so when I lived in Los Angeles and I worked for NBC, I did the matchmaker thing and I even did like the Christian, you know, matchmaking service. But it's all like way past us now, Mike. They have like Tinder and Bumble and things where like within like the flick of a finger, you can say someone's hideous or, oh, I'm interested. So in this particular case, this guy who later claims he's efficient that's why he claims he he booked six back-to-back dates. Now, this is Philadelphia. And in his defense, it is the city of brotherly love. And apparently this brother wants to spread a lot of love because he – and by the way, the girls are all real attractive, and they look completely different. Like every – like you'd think there'd be like a theme. He didn't care. He didn't care. He just want no, there was no theme. There was no blondes. There was no like all brunettes, no all, you know, a little bit chunkier girls, skinnier girls. No, there was no theme. And so, so wait, yeah, well, there is one theme I think we understand. It was okay. it was a babe buffet. Yes, it was. It was. So he so the first girl figures this out. She sees other girls start showing up and she introduces herself and he tried to put her in the friend zone like, oh, here's my friend. Uh, uh, what's your name again? Lisette. It's P- Lisette Pilant. So anyway, she's 26 years old. She goes to meet this guy, Jason. The first sign to me that there was trouble, he had a sparkly cane, like a cane with sparkles. And he said, you know, you can get a sparkly cane at at CVS for 23 bucks and call yourself a pimp. For me, that would be the end of my date right there. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm swiping left after I hear that line. Yeah, yeah. Any dude with a sparkly cane that invites me on a date says you can buy this at CVS at the drugstore and call yourself a pimp. I, I'm, I'm done with the date. So she introduces herself to the next girl and says, are you here for a date with him? And she says, yeah. She said, so am I. Within a short period of time, another chick shows up. He doesn't even space them far enough apart from each other that they don't bump into each other. So by the end of the night, it ends up there's six women and they've made a laughing stock out of him. They're doing like, you know, live feeds and they're, you know, tweeting and they're pictures of themselves. They're having drinks together. They're putting them on his bill. You know, it, it, it got completely out of hand. And then at the end, he said, they weren't really dates. They were pre-interviews for dates because he's very efficient. This guy's a genius. This guy's a yes. genius, and he's going to get a show on CBS. 
that's what's going to happen next. Probably. I'm guaranteeing. Angie, Angie, I'm up against the clock here, and I got I to gotta run out because the State Department's talking about what's going on in uh, North Korea. Where do we find you, my friend? Uh, DaybreakUSA.com, but if you complaints, just uh, Michael Palka on Twitter. Thank you. Very good. Stunt Brain on Twitter, DaybreakUSA.com, if you want to find out more about Angie. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk again soon, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, and uh, we are monitoring the State Department press briefing, which there's nothing really new there. We are hearing the official statement is the U.S. is speaking with one voice on North Korea. We are united. Basically, if you read the statements from General Mattis, it's North Korea's got to give up its nuclear ambitions. If you read the statement from the president, North Korea's got to stop threatening people or else. And if you listen to the statement earlier from the Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, you heard, in fact, that there is no imminent attack. There is no, no, no major concern. Granted, there is a situation we need to deal with, but Tillerson, who was on a plane and it was kind of loud, had this to say. What the president was just reaffirming is the United States has the capability to fully defend itself from any attack and defend our allies, and we will do so. And so the American people should sleep well. That was uh, Secretary of State Tillerson. I believe he was in Guam. He went to Guam after the Korean guy, that little chubby guy with the bad haircut, said that they were looking at isolating Guam. He talked about doing a couple different things. So we'll be on it, but I, I love to hear from the State Department that we are, in fact, speaking with one voice on North Korea. One voice. A couple other things you got to watch out for. Wasn't Ashley Judd trying to run for Senate? Didn't Ashley Judd consider running for Senate a couple of years ago? In Kentucky, I believe it was. I got to tell you, Kentucky, I think you dodged a bullet because you know Hollywood wanted to get behind Ashley Judd. Hollywood wanted to jump in on that. But Ashley Judd... Boy, what what a disaster this would have been. Ashley Judd apparently had a little run-in at the airport over the weekend. Ashley Judd got, got stopped at the airport. And um, she got really mad because the security guard at the airport called her sweetheart. And I, that deserves an entire Facebook post. I am Ashley Judd, and I'm going to do a little live post. Are you? Uh, from the airport. I'm traveling today. And this is the kind of thing to me that happens, which I categorize as everyday sexism. And it's so easy to let it go, not to speak up, particularly when it's so easy for someone to push back and say, oh, I was just being polite or something like that. So I was coming through security, and a guy said, 
hey, sweetheart. And I said, I'm not your sweetheart. I am your client. So I was already setting a boundary. And then when I was setting my things out, he said, hey, nice dress. I didn't hear him saying anything about the attire of any of the other folks in the entire line. And I am in one of the most traveled airports in the world. I'm so- Ashley Judd goes on for five minutes to slam everyday sexism because someone said, nice dress. And granted, hey, sweetheart, you know, it is a little demeaning if you if you possibly hear it that way. But maybe somebody was just trying to be nice to you because you're a damn celebrity. She ended up talking to the manager about the experience and said she extracted the right apology and it ended positively. Thank God, because we're not worried about the world blowing up or anything. You dodged a bullet, Kentucky. But then again, she sounds like a senator, doesn't she? Entitled. You're my employee, airport worker. Pray for this country. Pray for sanity. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network.